Welcome back to the Wrong Advice Podcast. I'm your host, John Pacciuto. I'm very excited to have my dear friend, the one and only Mr. Dean Hinnant on with us again. Dean, how you doing, buddy? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me back. I'm very excited to have you on. Uh, it's been a very wonderful year for you. Um, so much growth and wonderful news and accolades that have come out of your film photography over the course of the last... Man, it's been, <laughs> it's been a bit over 12 months since we last talked, I think. Um, yeah. But yeah, if you can give a quick refresher and reintroduction to yourself and the listeners and, and who Mr. Dean Hinnon is. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, I am Dean. I do film photography. Uh, yeah, I enjoy photography a lot. I, I would say that I really didn't start seriously maybe calling myself or really recognizing myself as a photographer until about two years ago, uh, even though I shot you know, for longer than that. Um, yeah, it, it has been an interesting year. Uh, basically, after the pandemic happened, I lived out of my car for about five or six months. Uh, it was intentional. <laughs> uh, <laughs> for some people pause at that point, but it, it was intentional. Um, yeah, and I just, I, I kind of explored the country as it was coming back to life mm -hmm. and did a lot of work around that. And so uh when that ended i settled out here in the midwest where you know beer and cost of living is cheap and uh yeah it's it's a close drive to the rockies it's a close drive to relatively speaking to chicago texas all the spots so um yeah uh since john and i last spoke i've been doing a lot just in my career which is something which is kind of running parallel to photography right now mm -hmm. so i do a lot of project management uh, and that's good. It, it's yeah. been really cool to kind of grow into that alongside doing yeah. creative work. So. I remember you called me when you got the, I don't know if you got the offer or you got like the, yeah, we're going to hire you. Your offer letter's coming and you're like super pumped. And I was very happy for you. Um, cause I know like how much relief like that nine to five can be, especially for someone who's had, you know, the kind of year that you had living out of your car and all of that other fun shit willingly. Um, but yeah, I was super excited for you to, to get this awesome job. And, and it's funny how at some moments in life, like things sort of just fall into place as they're supposed to. And, um, you're a great example of that. Like, you know, you get the work and job situation sort of all locked in and all locked out. And then all of a sudden, like it, it gives you opportunities to be more creative in, in your photography space. Um, I've been a big fan of your work since we became friends, you know, whatever that was a year or two ago. Um, Thanks. Yeah, yeah no, of course. And I've seen the growth in your work and obviously so has the community. So talk to me about some of the cool shit that's kind of happened to you with your work over the last year, year and a half, and kind of all of the, the fun stuff that has uh, been coming out of all the hard work that you do. Okay. Well, uh, yeah, uh, I would say a good place to start would be uh, before I left Virginia, which is where I'm from. I'm from Richmond. Uh, I really... <clears throat> I uh, just have like a personal Instagram page. I um, I had like a website, but I didn't really have any work on it. Uh, I still don't have a website, but Dean. Uh, just, I know, I know. <laughs> it's like an unforgivable sin. I do need to sit down and do it. I'll make um, one for you. You can hire me. Okay. I'll do it. <laughs> Send me a quote. Yeah. $91,000. Um, <laughs> <laughs> come on, dude. <laughs> it's the friends and family discount, Dean. 
Bro, I'm sure the quality is through the roof, but uh, I'm gonna need like some like Klarna or or Afterpay installments for that. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll sign up for a firm. Uh, this episode is actually brought to you by a firm. Is it? <laughs> no, that's, it's not. That's very, that's very pretty funny. If it was. Um, <laughs> oh, but yeah, you definitely yeah. got to get the uh, website taken care of for sure. Yeah, I, I do. Um, God, I lost my train of thought there. Um, all the cool shit that you got going on. So I'm thinking of a couple of particular things that have been centered around your photography and, uh, oh, black that's right. yeah. Um, yeah. So essentially what's happened since, uh, I left Virginia about a year and a half ago is, uh, I've been able to just to connect with like so many people in the community, which has been really, really neat. Um, I am not, a person that uh, you know wakes up every morning and kind of sees a valuation in the mirror based off of how many followers I have or anything like that. Um, <clears throat> I think that just uh, I'm at a point now where I'm really happy with how my work looks. And I think a lot of photographers can relate to the like the pilgrimage, so to say, that every creative person goes on of like finding your your style or, or finding your voice, finding mm -hmm. like your rhythm, whatever, uh, I guess, descriptor you want to use for that. There's a point people reach. Uh, for me, I started to notice in myself that I really connected more and more with the photos I made. Uh, the less and less I tried to prioritize making photos, uh, I guess, based off of the, uh, I won't say upbringing, but kind of the, I guess, follower experience that I had for years on Instagram when it first started. Okay. Because uh, there's a lot of great artists. There, There's a lot of amazing people making insane, incredibly good work. Mm -hmm. And uh, I love the fact that I had, you know, the chance to use Instagram and social media to really broaden my perspective. You know, uh, like outside of this and even outside of the other podcast, we've talked a bunch about it, just growing up in a very... Uh, I won't say like restrictive or reclusive and, and make them out to be bad, but I'll just say like, I grew up in a very uh, tight, like small town mm -hmm. and yeah. um, things outside of that, I would say were scary to use, you know, the most positive word they would give it. So as a result, like photography has been this really amazing way to, uh, I won't say unpack trauma or decompress or, or anything like that, even though it, it has helped some, Yeah, uh, I think it's given me the chance to like have a really healthy way to observe the world and mm -hmm. interact with it. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it, it's been cool to kind of see my photography grow with that, uh, because a lot of the photos that I would share or even the work that I would make, it, it was always, uh, like going out. And, and trying to, you know, replicate something I'd seen, or it was attempting to go to like a very specific place that a lot of people have been before. Yeah. And, uh, when I started to, I guess, put less and less standards on myself to, to sort of be other people, because I no longer really needed to be other people to have a, I guess, a healthy relationship with my art or what I make, Ooh. uh, yeah, the freer I felt to make stuff. And so, uh, <laughs> I would go, uh, for example, like instead of going to a, a very centralized, like very 
well-photographed area in town, I would start photographing yard sales, mm-hmm. like just walking around in neighborhoods. And uh, like, there's still a photo, I haven't shared it, but I'll, I'll send it to you in a second, of just this like little puddle of water that was in front of it. And um, yeah, like all the focus for the trees within this little puddle of water came out. And uh, it just has so many just really good, vivid layers to it and so much texture and so yeah uh talk to me sorry to interrupt you talk to me about like what do you think about this year what do you think about like your process what do you think about like sort of coming to your own from an artistic perspective was able how like how were you able to develop that voice and that language um because i'm in full agreement with you over the last year i've really stumbled into my style for portraiture, my, the emotions that I'm trying to evoke with the photographs that I take, like my editing process. Like I've spent the last two years, call it trying to hone in and into a style that I feel like can be representative of a John Picciuto photograph versus like me trying to, like you said, mimic someone else's style or look and feel. And I've like finally gotten there, which is fucking the best feeling in the world. Um, but in, in that sort of self discovery, uh, framework and mindset, like how were you able to sort of like fall into this artistic sense of self and like develop what you feel is, is now your style. Okay. Uh, I'll yes. Okay. Great question. Um, okay. So I never really played football or sports or anything as a kid. Mm Mm-hmm. If I did, if I was ever on any type of sports team, I think I played soccer when I was younger. There's family photos somewhere that proved I played <laughs> soccer, I think, but I don't even really know if I paid much attention. Uh, my head was always someplace else. Like my family, my friends will tell you that my head is usually someplace else. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can even be like mid-sentence and just drift. But um, yeah, so having said that, uh I, I never had an, an athletic or like a sports related or even a, uh, God, I don't even know what you would put it, even like an academic, like competitiveness to me. Okay. I, I just never had a drive like that. I was always much more focused. Excuse me. Sorry. Too much beer. Mm-hmm. Um, I was always focused on uh, almost like individual betterment. Yeah. Love that. So, <clears throat> uh, if I went hiking, right, then it would be, okay, well, how well did I do the last mile or the last time I did this hike? Did I do it better? Yeah. So ever since like I was younger, I've always had this, well, am I better than myself whenever ago? Mm-hmm. And a big shift that happened for me in the past few years was kind of taking a, a look at Uh, like professional sports, like the NFL, Mm -hmm. and thinking, okay, if somebody mentioned the NFL or someone talked about the NFL, then most people would then probably steer the conversation to a topic about Tom Brady Mm -hmm. or Peyton Manning, Mm -hmm. uh, Russell Wilson, name any, you know, quarterback, right? But the NFL isn't just quarterbacks. The NFL isn't just Tom Brady. The NFL isn't just one particular player. The NFL is an entire league. It's an entire organization. There's multiple strings of players. I am not even a significant football fan, 
or pro sports fan. And I know that. Yeah. And it's, it might sound odd and it might not click for everybody listening to this, but, uh, I kind of had to look at that and go, you know, those people reached those points because they loved something enough to just enjoy the game and and enjoy the process of doing it. Mm Mm-hmm. And they kind of had to fall in love with that and enjoy it well before they ever reached a point where people knew, knew them for doing that, right? So when it came to my work, I decided, okay, if um, if I am uh, a very, I would say, self-success-focused person and I am uh, not really looking to number climb or you know fight every day in the algorithm to get everybody's attention for my photography, then I probably need to really fall in love with what I do and Mm. then from there build something with it. Um, Yeah, Um, because there was actually a photo that someone took and I can't remember which Olympics it was, but there was a a very well-known photo of uh, someone trying to beat Michael Phelps at swimming. Uh-huh. And I can't remember the guy's name for the life of me, but uh, the picture isn't Michael Phelps winning. The picture is Michael focused on winning and the swimmer from Brazil looking watching. at him. Yeah. Um, And I've thought about that so many times. Yeah. Not because every day on Instagram or every day on social media is necessarily a, a race to the top. Uh, yeah. More of a race to the middle. <laughs> Yeah. Um, you know, uh, like when I post a photo, I, I'm glad that people see it, but I also know that it will probably last a day before more photos get shared after it. Other yeah. people. You know, it's so funny because I, I've had this conversation a lot lately with photographers and I have uh, an ever increasing disdain and lack of desire to produce work on social media anymore um Mm. because like it's constantly changing and like you're like you said algorithm chasing like god it's exhausting it's like i you know i'm making more video now than i have ever made because i need to make video of myself taking photographs so that people can see the photographs because instagram is pushing reels so i need to make reels so that people can see this still images that i want to create and the same thing with tiktok and what started off as something that was so annoying and detrimental to like my mindset when I was on, on, you know, in studio or or on set or something has dramatically altered into like a developing passion for video, which I'm not really enthusiastic (laughs) about or wanted. Um, But it's just funny because like, I'll post like once or twice a day now on social media. And I know you're super diligent about only posting once a day. Um, but I, I, I don't feel like there is something, uh, there for me anymore in terms of like how I would measure like me being successful, right? Like if I woke up tomorrow and I had a mega viral photo or video or reel or something, and I woke up to 50,000 Instagram followers, like, I don't necessarily know that I would feel any different. I don't necessarily know that it would do anything for me personally, right? It would be cool. It would be like a yardstick. But it it wouldn't feel 
any better for me in terms of like what it does in and in, in a time allocation sense um and i've always really been kind of envious of you and your ability to to do what you say and like not have it be like this time suck or this you know place that is any sort of negative connotation for you it's like part of your 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 diary it's part of your your workflow and for me, it's always been sort of like a job, which sucks. Like I've always looked at it like I've got to hack the algorithm. I've got to figure out what trending sounds to use. I've got to, you know, do all these things that like other brands and, and photographers are doing to grow. And I've yeah. I've grown tired of it. And I've always been really impressed by your ability to like eschew that sort of mentality. Well, thanks, dude. Um, yeah, I won't say it's easy <clears throat> because uh, you know I got instagram when it first came out uh maybe not the exact time it released but i remember having an iphone like 4s i think <laughs> and this was back in like 2011 or 2012 i got it uh one because i uh i wanted to get into photography and i couldn't afford a camera and horizon i think was offering a promotion for like some insane deal because this and this is going to make me sound so old but this was back when verizon was like so excited they were actually getting the iphone yeah before verizon even had access to it it was exclusive to at&t yeah so funny but yeah but i uh, dude i was on a family plan i was a broke kid like pre-college so <laughs> i was stuck with whatever my family was on and i wasn't gonna go sign up for a new contract but anyway all i to say yeah i got a 4s and I got a 4S because I could get Instagram. And uh, it's so funny, dude, because I've heard other photographers talk about how that's the same reason that they got it. Hmm. Um, that's so funny. I completely forgot about it how there was that AT&T exclusive for like four years. Yeah. 2008 to 2012, I think it was. Because I, I, I just happen to always have – I always happen to have AT&T. Um, and I just – I got the very first iPhone when I was a senior in college and I was like legit one of the only people in school for a few months who had the phone. And mm. it was just such a fucking hilarious thing. Like when I walked around campus and I'd be on my iPhone and everyone else would have like a flip phone or <laughs> like a fucking Blackberry. Um, and I, I completely forgot that AT&T was the only ones with iPhones for like four years. That was such a wild fucking, <laughs> so wild. Yeah. It, it was weird, man. Uh, but I was so excited to get it. I, I loved it. I was taking pictures all the time. I would post some of them, but I I did not have any type of real previous experience with photography. Mm -hmm. So whenever I made pictures, they were just of just daily events. Mm -hmm. It would be things I see around me. I wasn't going to uh, like specific places and shooting. I didn't prioritize it, yeah. but I also was, uh, I was working in construction and that's something I did a lot in my twenties. So, um, Same. yeah, you know, like when you work 40 or 50 hours on a job site, you do not want to yeah. take time. That's why I keep evening. switching legs. Cause my fucking knees are shot after a little yeah. while. That whole <laughs> yeah. thing needs to get cracked. <laughs> yep. Um, but yeah um sorry that was a bit of a rabbit trail but no i love it yeah the iphone was really great the downside to having the really great iphone was that i also got incredibly envious 
Sure. And I had a, a really big problem, man, mm-hmm. of I would be in class or I would be at work. Uh, sometimes I would even be in the car and I would see this beautiful photo. And I thought, man, dude, like I am putting no energy into this. I am putting no uh, like stock into it, even though I clearly love it and I do enjoy it. And I just rationalized a lot of reasons for why it was, oh, I don't have this, so I couldn't do that. Or, oh, I don't have that, so I couldn't do this. And it's it's really hard to say out loud. And, um, you know, when I say this, I'm not saying anybody else that feels like they're in a similar boat is the same. But I gave myself, like, a lot of permissions to feel that way, hmm. you know? Yeah. I gave myself a lot of reasons to feel like I couldn't, like I couldn't do it or I couldn't be my own person, find my own style, find my little corner, right, yeah. of the internet. Community, yeah. And um, yeah, I also, like I, I very heavily like took to heart the idea that there were just so many photographers that there wasn't really a point. Yeah, I hear that. And that, and that was something that was also a struggle because uh, – I think I really just wasn't really letting a lot of other input like kind of get received. I I wasn't really open to people who are more optimistic or more open, but I also, uh, you know, I I think that I just had some things to work on at that point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And where I'm at now is, uh, Basically, the pandemic was like, I don't know, uh, Luke being on Tatooine and the farm burning and really not having a way to go back. Oh, wow. There you go. (laughs) Yeah. Reference um, points. Star Wars. (laughs) Yeah. Love Star Wars. Shout out George Lucas. Yeah. Um, No, fuck George. I'm just kidding. We love love you, George. (laughs) So my first name is actually George. Is it? It, it is. I don't tell people that. Yeah. Well, you just told. Yeah. Fifty million people. I go by <laughs> yeah, apparently. Yeah, fifty million uh, downloads uh, per week. <laughs> for your, for your audience to come and uh, learn about. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny, um, dude. You know what? What uh, blew my mind is uh, a couple weeks ago, um, we were talking about Instagram. We were talking about like our sort of like the same conversation that we're having right now, because it was shortly after the Kodak Instagram account had shared a bunch of your work and I was like, so yeah, that did happen. Yeah. (laughs) I was, I was so pumped for you. And I was like, I was in a shoot. I want to say it was like, it was not, well, it wasn't that late. It's gets dark at four o'clock now. So it's hard to say, but it was like, you know, I was walking back to the train. I finally flipped off. Do not disturb on my phone. And I had a couple Instagram messages from you and like I immediately called you and I was like, dude, this is so fucking sick. Like, that's so cool. And I was like, so, so happy for you because like that's fucking pretty awesome to have, uh, you know, the manufacturer of, you know, I don't know what percentage of their film you shoot. I would imagine it's a high percentage um, to share your work and like, you know, see value in what you create and then for them to be able to be like, yeah, we want to like post and share your work. That's 
it's just such such validation for a film photographer for really anyone in the community to get that and i was super pumped for you um and then like when we hung up i thought like i was thinking about like man so fucking cool and then it's also like a little bit melancholy that i you know i cared that much about instagram that i was like you know a fucking social media platform and it's just like so unimportant i was like it's weird to be so incredibly happy for your friend when they have something so cool happen. And then like also at the same time be like, it's social media. You know what I mean? It's, it's like, I think because I've, I've grown up in this world of social media and like had so many different lives in it. Mm-hmm. It's more of work now for me than it is pleasure. Like I find TikTok to be a very hilarious place and like a funny place. And Instagram mm-hmm. to me is like the LinkedIn of social media right now. Right. Like, I don't know. <laughs> do you not do you feel that way at all? That's got some accuracy. Yeah, like I don't know. There's something uh like I, I was having this conversation with my man, my mentor recently, and I was like, I use TikTok as like my fucking journal, right? Like as my I have a funny thing to say, I'm gonna say something stupid or like totally irrelevant, talk about a movie, talk about a TV show, talk about something, and just like put it out and not care about whether five people see it or fifty thousand, right? Instagram is much more curated and I'm much more mindful about what I put there. Um, and I, I don't know, man, I've been spending so much less time there and you know, even though I'm, I'm super like excited for you, it's also at the same time, it's like, well now I bet part of you and you can correct me if I'm wrong, feels like you need to invest more time in the, in the platform. Do you feel that way? Well, it's funny you say that because, uh, Around Christmas time, I actually, uh, not Christmas time this year, sorry, last <laughs> Christmas, so yeah. end of 2021, I uh, I got selected as one of the winners for a Leica photo contest. Sweet. I don't think uh, I remember that. Yeah, it was, uh, it was really cool. Was it the horse photo? Um, no, this was some kids in Washington Square Park. Oh, and they were laughing and there's this like rainbow that kind of comes down and it's like right on their faces. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, uh, it's when I, I mean, when I got the news of that, like when I won that last Christmas, I had, I had completely just burnt out of everything from my road trip. I was totally spent. Oh. I, uh, I was deep into just trying to recover so i was working in a coffee shop and was working holiday hours and was just burnt out yeah and um you know was just dealing with customers all day being like there wasn't supposed to be berries in my drink and i'm like man this is a hot mocha like please calm down and (laughs) yeah yeah, man it was it was like customer service barista work yeah Uh, yeah but when I got the news of that, it was weird. It, it meant so much because it was like, wow, like it really is affirming. Yeah. And then I, felt, I did feel a lot of pressure when that happened. So interesting. When Kodak messaged me, I, at first I thought it was a joke and I was like, I was like, OMG stop. And they were like, <laughs> no, like we're real. LOLZ. And I was like, is this really happening? <laughs> and they're like, yeah, it is. And I was like, okay, uh, well, what's up? And they said, well, we really like your work. And uh, we can't really, 
agree or decide on which one to share, but we would like to share something. So would you be okay with that, us doing like a carousel, like a collage? And I was like, I mean, Duh. yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. absolutely. Kodak, whatever you want, Kodak. Yes. Um, yes, dad. Yes, daddy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Kodak daddy. Yes. <laughs> you know, the first thing I thought when you told me, I was like, man, I hope they sent him some free fucking film. Because that fucking price of film is going up every day. They, they did not. Yeah. Okay. Womp womp. They did, and that's all. That is all right. I. I did don't you? Want... Did you? Aside from like the the positive affirmation that something like that provides, like I remember I got posted on like some one of those like street photography things with like a few hundred thousand. And I was like, oh my god, my life's gonna change. Like I just got posted by friends in the streets or whatever it was. And I got like six followers. I was like, okay, cool. So none of this really matters. Um, But like, aside from like the positive affirmation that it does for just you as an artist, right? So like it provides you that sort of reaffirmation that what you're doing matters, that it is an appreciated art, that the work that you spend so much time and effort putting into has found a voice and people appreciate it. Besides that, um, was there anything else that you got out of it? Like, did you get 50 followers? Like, did you, did, was there anything like tangible besides that, you know, positive affirmation that you got out of it that you were like, Oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to jinx it. I need to see what the actual count is. Um, but I pretty sure. So I'm almost at 3,200. Sweet. Which is neat. Twice as many as me. When the post went up, I had like 2,300 something. Shit. That's a fucking, yeah. that's pretty good. Yeah. That's awesome. See, that makes me happy. Um, especially because, like I said, I, I'm, I'm just uh, like a fan of you as a photographer and as an artist. So like when those kind of things happen, like I, I like seeing that. And and I know you and I have had many a conversations, obviously off the podcast about, you know, imposter syndrome, doubts, like things that we feel just as photographers and artists on a daily basis. Um, so like for me as your friend, like I just fucking love that something like cool like that happens. Um, but yeah, it's just like, it's funny to me. Like if I had known how much time I would be spending on social media for work, right? Like just actually like researching hashtags, researching fucking accounts to tag, trending audio sounds, like what is the algorithm pushing this week? How many seconds should a video be like, you know, all these things. If I had thought about that two years ago before I started being a photographer, I might've like maybe paused for it. <laughs> for a little bit i'm like it's just a lot it's a lot especially when you know unfortunately there is a certain level of social currency to your name when it is attached to a certain number right and Mm -hmm. it's a terrible way to think and it's it, it doesn't i don't think my social media following has in any way inhibited my ability to work um i i'm thankful that i've gotten some jobs with very small instagram account that i have and you know i've only been told twice that like I didn't bring enough to the table and I knew what that meant. Like I wasn't a, a brand. I wasn't an influencer. I didn't have enough community around myself to warrant that opportunity. And to me, when I th- see and hear things like that, I just think, great, we shouldn't work together anyway. Obviously we have 
vastly different priorities when it comes to this stuff. Um, but I have been spending a lot of time in the last month or so, like trying to figure out what my relationship with social media is going to be respective to my art and Mm -hmm. also this podcast, because I've been spending a lot more time doing video podcasts, um, making clips, uh, being more diligent about where I share the stuff and, and how many I do. And I think in the new year, I'm going to start going to a bi-weekly podcast just cause like it's growing, it's doing well. It's something I really love and I enjoy. And because it's, I'm getting that positive feedback for it. I want to spend more time and more energy into it. And it's unfortunate that like it takes these platforms and these places to get that little bit of recognition and affirmation for you to then want to work harder at it um which sucks because like again like dude i do podcasting like this is an audio and you know experience for me and the fact that we're both sitting on camera right now is because i know i've got to post stuff on youtube right i know i've got to make clips for instagram and tiktok and it's weird that i don't mind doing it for the podcast but it does feel like a chore for my photography which i I need to get to the bottom of to that point uh, I think some of that is justified given that as individual people, there's very little control over where the general populace puts their attention sure, and puts their energy. Mm-hmm. We, we do have very little control over that. Yeah, for sure. Now, uh, as a photographer, we have control over a lot of things all the way up to the moment that you hit post. Right. Uh-huh. Yep. Um, but after that, we kind of are letting it go in the ocean and, <laughs> yeah. and, t- and take its place, you know, totally. I, that sounds so weird and so meta. No, I agree. I agree. Something super like waxy poetic, but, <laughs> uh, there's a certain point of, like to your your comment you made earlier about me posting like once a day, there is a point where I I would be posting ten times a day, yeah. or I would I would be making reels, I would be talking to people on a podcast every night. I would be doing that if uh, one I had the spare time, and <laughs> yeah. two if uh, if what I was saying was beneficial. I well, I'm gonna stop you there. Yeah, You're, what you have to say always is beneficial, and what Thanks. you have to say always matters. Otherwise, we wouldn't be having this conversation for the second time. So put that, put a pin in that. But I get okay. what you're saying. It were it were it for the an abundance of free time, and mm-hmm. energy, and what a million other factors, I would be doing the same thing. I would have five photo shoots a day instead of one. I would have five podcasts a week instead of one you know what i mean if it weren't for constraints of time and energy and a myriad of other things like the editing process i would be doing more and more and more and more um yeah. yeah it's it's crazy because you spend so much time building up uh like a like a like a you know i've been building my photography business for two years and i look at it a lot like objectively and try to discern whether I've been successful or not when it comes to my career. And it's like, do I measure that on a dollar basis or do I measure it on a growth basis? Because as a photographer over the last two years, I am 1000 
10,000% better, right? My eye has gotten better. My artistic expression has gotten better. My stylistic uh, insight has gotten better. My my entire workflow from start to finish is leaps and bounds ahead of where it was two years ago. But I still struggle with creativity issues and imposter syndrome and finances that I think is pretty common in the industry, which is frustrating because I thought, you know, two years in, I'd be at a place where I'm just bankrolling copious millions of dollars. You know what I mean? But it's like one of those things. It's like how, how, in what point in your life do you measure success? And I've had a hard time figuring that out because sometimes it's how many likes I get on an Instagram post. And sometimes it's how many downloads I get on a podcast. And I hate to think that those sort of metrics matter and it, it, it is it is unfortunately a fact that it does and to an absolute detriment of my my sense of artistic self for sure i think that uh it's it's good and there's health to measuring ourselves and seeing if we're growing yeah i think i think some of that is unavoidable I think some of it does reach an unhealthy point. I think a lot of people listening know what that means if they do creative work. If they don't do creative work, then the, it probably just it probably just looks different for them. Or they're a lot uh, happier. <laughs> yeah, or you know they might be a lot happier. Uh, I I do think that we and this is something I've said before. And it's not necessarily a solution to the conundrum of what it's, uh, I, I guess, what it takes, right, to to build something for yourself or to yeah. generate something that you can live off of. I think a lot of people want to feel a sense of freedom or a sense yeah. of control right? totally. with their life. And there's a lot of things every day, whether it's rent or whether it's, bills or whether it's uh you know mass transit or maybe it's their car like there's you know there's always uh, i guess aspects of life that cut in you know to the to the bliss of getting the photograph that you love or creating the you know sheet of music that you just wrote Uh, as an artist there's just so many different things that can like just kind of nick you almost like paper cuts yeah and over time it can be draining yeah like totally it really can and uh you know i don't think it's necessarily easy to be uh you know a wealthy financially healthy creative uh you know within just a few years time but the the reason i think that is just because of what i've watched other people do and what they've built and what it's taken them but also like outside of creative work looking at other businesses and just seeing how like how much energy and how much people power has to go into something to make it happen yeah Uh, dude if i had help right like if i had if i had an editor if i had podcast editor if i had a video editor if i had you know like or the means in which to pay for these things Mm -hmm. i would be making so much more work like it would just it would free me up to do more but like when you're a one-man band 
right? And let's say on Monday I've got a photo shoot and I shoot 700 images and the client's getting 50 selects. So I got to select 50 photos with them. That process takes a day. Then you got to edit the 50 photos. That process takes a few hours. It's like, you know, then I do a podcast. That's an hour, two hours just to record. Then you spend the time to edit it. Right. That's another hour, two hours. Then you got to generate the titles and the the bios and, and all the things that go into it. And you just run out of time. Like I would I'd be I mean, it's 830 at night right now. I'd, I'd be more than happy to, to do a podcast immediately after this, you know. But then, you know, it's midnight and all of a sudden you're going to bed at midnight and then you got to wake up tomorrow. It's a Saturday. Should be enjoying my weekend, but I will spend four hours editing podcasts or four hours editing, you know, Instagram reels. Um, it's just it's it's there's a lot that goes into building a creative life that I don't think I put that much thought into how much time the stuff that I do that doesn't make me money matters, which mm. in hindsight is a lot for sure. So the value of that hearing you speak is uh, there are so many people that have never tried those things, have never even attempted to do what you're doing. Yeah. And I think that there is a lot of talk about the creator economy. There's a lot of talk about creative business, uh, creative business generating there is a lot of discussion about that. Yeah. I think that there's a huge opportunity, huge market for it. If somebody wants to be an artist or a creative, it has never been easier to start that. Or a better time. I truly believe it's or the best time. time to have a creative skill. Doesn't, doesn't mean the process of growing. Doesn't mean the process of refining. Doesn't mean the process of stretching. Hearts less... Yeah. Costs less. Oh yeah, has less risk. Totally, dude. You know, it's it's funny. I uh, for all the amount of time that I spend doing my job, I spend yeah. so much more doing everything else. Right, like finding new clients, finding new prospects, finding new agencies, finding new talent. Like I spend more all time doing other things besides the creation part. Yeah. Um. I knew coming into this that it was going to be hard to build a life in a creative career. I wasn't like, I'm not surprised by the ups and downs that I've experienced. There's nothing that surprises me least. I mm -hmm. fully was prepared to fail. Like I came into this knowing that there was a better than 60% chance, better than 70% chance that all of my hard work was going to inevitably lead to a failure. But I was prepared to fail. I've already failed many times in my life. And it, what's exciting about like this day and age is it's okay to fail and then like admit it and then grow from it. And it's also okay to take these chances in life, right? Like the only thing that would held me back from being successful at this was myself. Like no one was going to tell me that I can and can't do things in this space. No one was ever going to say, you can't get to a certain number of downloads in your podcast. You can't work with a certain client from a photography perspective because I'm, I'm, I'm trying and putting so much effort and energy into it. So if you're yeah. able to like be mindful about the fact that this shit is hard, like it is fucking hard. Oh, I wouldn't. <laughs> yeah. It's difficult. Um, you know, uh, I think last time we talked, uh, something I said was that I 
I don't, I don't believe there's too many photographers in the world. I said that also a few minutes ago, but like, I, that is a thing that I tell people all the time, because even though I am not a, like a prominent photographer, even though I don't have a blue check mark, even though <laughs> all of these things, right. Um, I've had people message me and they're like, Hey, so like, how'd you do this? Like what presets are you using? Like, how do you edit this? Or how'd you get that color? And I'm like, look, like, you know, I'm happy to tell you just some baseline things. Uh, but I will tell you that, and I've said this to a lot of folks, like I spend more time in Lightroom than I do any other app on my phone. <laughs> yeah. And if people think that's wild, like if I find myself scrolling a lot, I will open, I will close Instagram and I'll go to Lightroom. I'll pick a photo that I tell myself wasn't good or wasn't right or something. And this sounds so like masochistic, but I will force myself to edit the photo instead of scrolling on Instagram. I like that. I and like that, that sounds, a lot. That sounds so weird, but I can't tell you like how many times I've just like rotated a photo or I've done a crop or I spent a little more time tweaking the color or I didn't, you know, rush balancing out the whites and blacks and all those things. And like, uh, I have gained a lot of like, actually like kind of peace of mind from doing that. It doesn't, yeah, it doesn't mean that I am like as engaged or as active when people post, it doesn't mean I'm the first to comment on something, but what it has done is it's kind of given me the permission to be okay with uh, knowing that there are 8 billion people on the planet and only <laughs> a fraction of them would even consider themselves photographers and even a fraction within that would even consider themselves people that are hobbyists. Even deeper into that, it's an even smaller pool of folks that would actually say they want to do more than just make it a hobby. Mm -hmm. And even within that, it's just like there, there are actually so few people it just looks really daunting and overwhelming when all of the reasons that I found when I was using Instagram starting out to post were people that were totally focusing on the art and not focusing on uh, the digits. Yeah. Now, that also was a perspective I had. I'm sure a lot of them were focusing on it and yeah. I don't know their lives. So maybe that's a little ignorant, but um. <laughs> you know, I, I was going to say, you know, it's funny. So like I've recently gotten heavily, like I've spent a lot of hours in the last 60, 90 days. Um, like I said, developing my editing style and I, I did it with an ulterior motive in that I wanted to speed my editing process up. So like if yeah. I shot a shoot for, uh, call it a fashion company, uh, uh, any, whatever. Uh, if I'm shooting a model shoot and there's three looks and those three looks are going to generate somewhere in the neighborhood of 800 to 1200 photos, I would take those selects and I would have a hard time coming up with a singular cohesive edit for the story that I was creating. Yeah. And each look would have two or three uh, looks and feels. And I realized that I was making so much more work for myself 
by treating each individual photo as its own story and not as like an overarching set. So I got to the point where I was just like spending so much time editing and each photo had to have its own vibe and its own color template and like palette and like whatever. Like I just, each photo had to be different from the preceding one that I was spending like fucking hours editing selects. Dude, it was crazy. But I've, I've, what was that? Uh, No, Uh, I was just agreeing. Yeah. So I, I recently got to the point where I was like, I need to just like create presets for myself so that I have a basis point for what I want. And I've done it and I've gotten to the point where just like, let's say I started the process a month ago and then very recently I've nailed everything that I want for a shoot, whether it's like a color photo, whether it's a black and white photo, et cetera. And I've gone back to like the first couple shoots that I shot with these presets that I made. And I thought, man, let's see if I can like re-edit these photos from a full reset and then what I would make them look like without the presets and see how close what I'm feeling and like what my vibe is with these photos now. And it unsurprisingly got very close to what I had pre-made for myself. So the thing that I was doing to speed up like the process has quickly developed into for now what I feel I want to create as an artist because I like, dude, I made a preset and it's my, I'm using air quotes and I guess I can cause we're on video. So people will actually see this. <laughs> uh, I, it's like my, uh, my model slash fashion preset. So if I'm in studio and I'm using strobes or, uh, shooting natural light, with one model, two models, whatever it is, I'm going to slap this preset on initially and then I'll start going into my tweaks. And my my concern is that like I've developed something that is starting to f- give me the look and feel for the photos that I want to create, but like am I also just using it as a crutch because it cuts the workflow in half. So for you, when you are shooting mostly film, right? Like I believe 100% of what you shoot is film. Correct me if I'm wrong. I... So for right now, I am shooting probably 95% film. Until you buy that M10. Well, this will end up becoming a topic probably a few minutes into the conversation, but I am actually doing some photography with my phone again. Nice. Like, my iPhone. like it. Going back to that, that is, oh my God. I, I can't even begin to talk about how weird it is that I'm getting so much so much satisfaction from it. But um, it depends yeah. what, like from personal experience, it depends what you shoot with it. Um, because like street photography and uh, documentary photography for me, when I shoot mm-hmm. it on an iPhone, I feel like I'm lacking something. Uh, I don't. I can't put my finger on it. I feel like something's lacking in in the images. Um, versus most of that stuff is typically shot on film for me. So I love that you're doing that, but like, it depends greatly. uh, Oh yeah. Yeah. There's, yeah. Don't get me wrong. And if anyone's listening, don't take that the wrong way. There's a lot of variance in it. Yeah. Uh, do you shoot raw? Uh, so for the most part I do shoot raw. Yeah. And if I'm moving around a lot, it's cause I went running and my legs are really sore. So just. (laughs) forgive any shaking this happening guys um yeah uh thought you weren't an athlete dean I, 
Yeah, I'm not an athlete. Come on, no. Tr- come on, George. I thought you were an athlete. <laughs> I did. I, uh, I did run a 5K though today. Yeah. Uh, no, I ran it on Thanksgiving. Oh, nice. Yeah. I uh, fun fact. I decided last month that I'm gonna run the New York City Marathon next year, and did you? I, I I was like. So next Saturday, it this is we're recording this. It's December 9th. So, in an unfortunately short eight days, I'm going to be turning 37 years old, and I I don't feel old. Like it's it's a it's a very peculiar feeling to the number next to my name is is high now. Like it mm-hmm. it's not it's not 27. You feel so youthful and young at 27. And physically, I feel youthful and young. I don't like, you know, I joke about like knee pain and stuff. It's just like my go-to trope. I'm an old guy with bad knees and I'm tired. Uh, right? Yeah, but you've just you've just been young longer. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, but it's like I don't feel physically old, but I am starting to be cognizant of the fact that my opportunity to do some like big physical life things are probably dwindling. Um, you know, that's not to say that I have any physical ailments or like any issues or anything, but just like logically, you know, I'm only going to play so many more pickup flag football games in my life and basketball games. And, you know, it's just like a byproduct of age. Like I will eventually tear a meniscus or something just because I'm fucking old and, you know, I don't move like I used to. So I was watching the marathon and I thought, wow, that would be so fucking awesome to do. And I think that. You know, at the end of the year, I get pretty melancholy because it, 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 it coincides with my birthday and then also the culmination of a year. So this time yeah. of year is never really great for me. I don't love my birthday. I don't love getting older. And I look back at this year, truly, whether I can look at myself without any bias and say that I've had a good year because I don't okay. think I've had a good year. I think I've had a... I think I've had a bad year. Like I've had a rough year. Like I've had a rough year mentally. I've had a rough year emotionally. I've had a rough year work-wise. I've had a rough year. It's just not been a great year. And Mm -hmm. that's not bad. Like that, you're not going to have always good years. I think it's not. And that's a whole, dude, that's a whole thing we could talk about. Yeah. Uh, No, dude, like I think, I think part of the, the cognitive understanding that I haven't had a good year is what made me sit watching the marathon and being like, I need to do something big. Like I need to, I need to like sell all my shit and spend a month in Europe or two months in Europe. Like I I'm, I'm, it's not, it's like, I don't think like I'm going to die. Right. Like I'm not like, I'm not worried about looking at the end of my life and being like, what have I accomplished? What have I done? But I just feel like I've reached a sort of tipping point in my life where I'm not married. I don't have kids. Like, you know, my work successes are few and far between and the things that make me genuinely happy are the things that I keep doing. And I'm like a blessed person. Like my life is good. I have no complaints, but I think I've reached a moment where it's time for me to do something big. Now what that something big I thought was going to be is the marathon. And I'm like, you know, sort of fucking around with it. Like I know it's, it's, you're supposed to wait till like six months out to like really ramp up uh, Mm -hmm. training and such. But in the, call it 30 when was the marathon the week after a few days after the thanksgiving right it was sunday after thanksgiving i think so yeah Yeah. so in the two three weeks since i think i've only ran like cumulatively like six or seven miles which like 
Yeah, but like zero this week. Like we're recording on a Friday. I've run zero this week. Like, and I think, you know, I, I'm just having a rough week, two weeks, six months, <laughs> 2022. I'm just having oh. like a rough time. And it's just like you, yeah, compounding. You, don't to, you do not need to justify that to me. I get it. Um, yeah, so I, uh, yeah. Uh, year, years are not equal. Yeah. They are not equal. Uh, this is, uh, God, it's going to sound so like cliche. And this will probably <laughs> even be the beginning of a sound paper. Like, if somebody had told me X number of years ago, but man, uh, oh my God, I've done, okay. So for context, I've done carpentry, HVAC plumbing uh i've done i've worked in the nuclear industry wow historic preservation work i did backpacking europe uh did volunteer work over there i backpacked around the united states lived out of a bag for six months more than once uh one time there was a religious group like going to do or like a church group that was going to new orleans for a week and a half or two weeks to do disaster recovery after FEMA ran out of money for after some hurricane or something. I had $40 to my name. And then I just told everybody, Oh, well, okay, I'll go with you. So I just hopped in a family's van and just rode down there with them. Wow. Uh, I I've done, uh, you know, some like mildly beat poet things, <laughs> uh, you know, just let life ramble. And, uh, you know, there's other times where I've done very specific stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, my parents never went to college. So when it came time for me to figure out how to go through college when I wanted to go, you know, that was something I had to figure out. Um, yeah, but it worked and it did happen. And uh, I got to say, man, it, it sounds so weird and it will sound corny, but I had a point to say all that, which is like, man, there are so many times, like in every one of those like events and in every one of those things that I did where I, I had a moment of telling myself like, man, why am I doing this? Like, this is not doable. Like, mm -hmm. this is not possible. Or this is just not going to work. Yeah. And I've had plenty of times where I was just like, this isn't working. But I'll tell you, dude, all of those moments of saying like, this isn't working have brought me like to a place of doing creativity. Yeah. At, making photos and writing. And um, it's it's kind of weird how much peace it gives me, I guess, because I'm kind of grateful that I had all of these chances for things to not work out. As much as I never wanted to work the long hours, as, long, as many times as I never wanted to wake up some mornings at like four in the morning and, and go and do something like a meaningless task and just be a name on an assembly line. And uh, it really wasn't glamorous at all but uh you know that those things also kind of did make me believe at one point that kind of when life collapsed in 2020 that like why did this happen to me like i i shouldn't have deserved this like uh i mean i had a job lined up to travel to 15 different countries around the world and go to 18 different cities and i was going to be in tokyo during the olympics and i had just like everything was working out everything was totally set in stone for this like amazing just amazing around the globe journey and it 
in less than a week, COVID happened and I had no job and I was back in Virginia and I was moving buckets of dirt and I had, I had a lot of things telling me like, dude, like you're in your late twenties, like figure it out, (laughs) bro. Like, come on, you know, make it work, do something, you know, like adapt, get more discipline, grow up. And I, I just had all these thoughts in my head and, uh, you know, I won't say that I don't still think that way sometimes, but I am, I am learning to be a lot more patient with myself. Yeah. Well, first of all, I love that. Um, I think clarity and understanding of who you are as a person and give yourself like grace and space to learn and grow is something that happens in your thirties naturally um, through a lot of trial and error. Um, so I think that's like a pretty normal sort of life experience. Um, I was going to say, I've gotten to the point where, you know, I've, I've been in the real world for long enough where I've worked a lot and I've made a lot of money over my life. And I've also had years where I've made extremely little money and there's nothing that if, if I got a job tomorrow that would pay me a million dollars a year, it would be life-changing. There's zero doubt about it. But the only thing I think that it would do would alter, like, m- mechanisms in my life that I think I have now gone beyond, mm-hmm. i.e. the car I drive, i.e. the place that I live, i.e. the amount of money that I spend. Um, I was having a conversation with a buddy of mine recently, and... I don't, I don't want for anything. Like I, I don't, I don't need more clothes. I don't need more stuff. I don't need, you know, a nicer watch or fancier shoes or, you know, I, I, I don't need those things. Right. I think that is, uh, a clarity that you develop with age. And especially after like a two year period of COVID where you lose people, you lose jobs, you get perspective that is important. Um, yep. And like, please, by all means, someone give me a million dollar job. I would love it. It would be great. <laughs> yeah. Right. But I, when I think, about, <laughs> when I think about the struggles that I have in life, they're not real. The actual struggles that I have are mostly monetary. And if you take them away, I don't have nothing to worry about. I have healthy family. My friends are healthy. I have a level of mental security in myself and who I am that I didn't have as early as two years ago, right? There's nothing about my life that I would change right now for a second. I'm Mm -hmm. living my best life. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean it's perfect. That doesn't mean that I am wildly successful and a millionaire. And I think what's funny is, is when you watch social media on a frequent enough basis, All of it is people talking about how to make more money, how to be more successful, how to have nicer shit, how to fly private, like all these things. And like people are not really interested in like learning about themselves and like figuring out if that actually matters. I think people are just more interested in like being like rich. And to me, I don't need to be rich. I just I want to be happy and I am super happy. And that's like literally all I need out of life that and the ability to pay my rent. (laughs) Yeah. But you know what I'm saying? It's like I'm 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 marveled at the there's like that Alanis Morissette song, I'm broke but I'm happy. Like I I have Dude. made 
Elena Smurfett is an amazing person. <laughs> if she needs, if she needs a tour photographer, she should hit me up because uh, I'd be down. She should. Totally. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Like, dude, it's like, I, I I don't have money. I don't have like copious amounts of fucking free cash. I'm struggling on a monthly basis to pay my bills, but I wouldn't trade it for anything. Like I truly wouldn't because like money will always be available. It will always be there for me to get. And I want more of it so often and so much, right? I want to make $50,000 in a month with these three easy steps. But the truth of the matter is, is that I've reached an age where those things are not going to alter who I am as a person. 25 year old John, it would have made a drastic difference to the person. And I think that's like how you grow and you understand like what's important. And I'm thankful for that for sure. Super lucky. Um, and yeah, good. No, good. I was just going to say there's, uh, there's seasons to things. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. That's gonna sound hyper spiritual, but I agree. Uh, I saw this meme the other day, which is like we weren't supposed to have jobs from December to March. We were supposed to fight off wolves, live in our houses, and drink alcohol and hope the food lasts us. Yeah. Like that sounds so and that is so funny. I, it's I true, love though. it. I was just like, what the fuck? It's like, true though. But like if you think about it, um, as much as people don't like to accept it one we age two we will not be here indefinitely i don't care what computer server we put our conscious on like we will <laughs> not be here indefinitely yeah. uh and three uh dude we like we sleep every night and it, and if you think that you like sleep every night but then you also don't have periods in your life where you have to rest from accumulating or rest from accruing or rest from whatever energy you're putting into scaling planting whatever obscure i don't know <laughs> word you want to throw in there for yeah. an action a verb yeah that um yeah like there i'm a i'm a big stuff, yeah, dude. I'm, I'm a big believer in seasons of your life i also yep. think that it's 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 interesting to me how often people reference like mental health stuff in terms of like what they consume from a social media perspective. Like to me, I look at like a lot of like the big influencers and and they have all a little bit of things in common in that they're like preaching betterness and like mindfulness. And that's starting to become like sort of a common thread. Um, Because I think like, because we're at, at the end of the day, we're just a bunch of like primates that have somehow gained consciousness that we're so overloaded from a stimulus perspective that it's easy for people to want to question things and seek out more, right? Like, and whatever that more is for you is different for me and different for, you know, my brother and my sister and like everyone's what they want is different. Um, but it's no surprise to me that people are constantly looking for more, um, because we, like, like you said, like we should be having other actual worries rather than going to the food store and being able to get whatever we want on a daily basis. Like, you know, we're not hunting out, 
you know, unfortunately, there are people in the world that have to concern themselves with that and clean water and shit like that. And that sucks. That's hard. But for the vast majority of people, like a lot of the heavy lifting of life is already done for us. So, of course, we're then going to take that lens that used to be for hunting and gathering and whatever and turn it inward and being like, well, what the fuck am I supposed to be doing with my life? Exactly. And uh, to kind of tie that into what you've been bringing up throughout the talk tonight is uh, social media isn't really a cyclical place. Social media is just a 24-7 Walmart. (laughs) Echo chamber. A conglomerate of of every single thing everywhere on the planet happening all at the same time. Every emotion, every reaction, every opinion, every body language expression. I mean, there is so much there. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we don't operate that way. Like people don't operate that way. And even with creative work, uh, like a photograph, a photograph is a fraction of a second, of a minute, of an hour, of a day, of a week, of a month, of a year, of a day. I mean, you could just, God, paste that out to infinity and it'd be like, wow, that's rarer than a diamond. Like that, That's rarer than anything. That's one of a kind. Mm-hmm. But if you just overlay a social media mindset to it, then it's, well, that was one of 15,000 that were uploaded in the past fraction of a second. And this <laughs> yeah. is the tag. And here's where the top, here were the top 15 that were cropped correctly. And then here were the top four that were hashtagged properly to be curated at the top of the feed. And there is a lot of that. Uh, you know, I, I'm not, critical of social media platforms to the point of thinking that we just need to get rid of them all. I I think it's neat because I'm a very curious minded person. So I love finding new stuff and discovering it. Uh, But for me, uh, I really like balance. Yeah. Really. I really like balance. I enjoy that a lot. I I have a a question for you. So you know, I, yeah. I spoke earlier about the fact that like I'm I've been in like this melancholic state for the last couple of weeks and it's a pretty normal December for me <laughs> with that regard. Seasonal depression is a real bitch, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um that being said, when you look at like the twenty twenty two coming to an end for you and then like you look and start developing goals and, and hopes and dreams for yourself into the new year. Like, what do you do about, like, how you look forward to what happens when the clocks change midnight on the end of the month? And, like, looking forward, like, what what is that process like for you? Uh, okay. I'm excited about this. Well, uh, truthfully, I'll sit down, and I actually did this the other night, and I'll spend about an hour and uh, you know have you heard of free writing like you basically almost set a time and you're not allowed to stop moving your hand until the time is up like unless it like hurts to the point we can't do it anymore you mm-hmm. just like have to consistently so free writing is, is is supposed to like train your brain to do stream of conscious right okay it, it's if like you just dump uh, every word, every thought, every everything. There's no rhyme to it, no record, no rhythm. It could be a sentence, a fraction of a sentence. You could start with the topic, then move to another one. No rules. It's uh-huh. like jazz, but with with pens. Cool. So, 
uh, it's neat, but what I do with that is I kind of take that concept and do it slightly more structured. And I give myself the task of write down every single possible thing that you would want to do in a year. Everything. That's cool. Uh, How long is the list? Be, oh my God. I think I wrote about 200 different things. Holy shit. So let's go to this year, 2022. Like, I don't know if you have this in front of you or not, or like, this is something <laughs> you could quickly look at. I'm genuinely curious. So like if for 2022, you wrote 200 things down, like, do you mark them off? Like how, how many did you accomplish or check off your list? Uh, and just um, this year. So for, 20, for 2022, I really, uh, had some handwritten ones, but I didn't really follow through a lot of it. Uh, the biggest goal that I had in 2022 was I wanted to, uh, buy an M10. <laughs> I wanted to find some grounding. I, I wanted to find like a, a stable footing. And I wanted to find a place to not necessarily recover, but use as like the base of like, okay, I'm not slipping anymore. I'm not uncertain anymore. This is where I'm at for a period. And this is, this is going to be like my, my place to get my bearings for, for what's going to be happening next year. Uh Next year. I won't lie, man. If everything happens next year the way that I think it will, it will probably be the wildest year of my life. And it does not... wildest mean best? Uh, we'll see. Huh. But um, yeah, I I'm gonna be having a small gallery show for the first time, which is really bang, neat. Bang, bang, bang. Yep. Uh, I have all of my photos from my trip. And I let them rest for a year, which is something I didn't tell people I wanted to do. And I was on the fence about it, but I decided, nope, I'll let them sit for 12 months. I've posted a good number of them, Mm -hmm. but in terms of actually going through and trying to develop a sequence for either a gallery show or to even do something printed, um, I definitely wanted to give it some time. And uh, yeah, that, that time is up. So hopefully something will be coming of those. It's awesome. And, uh, yeah. I'm trying to get the details together and make sure that I have a date in mind and also just kind of check all the boxes before I tell people when things are going to happen. But yeah, those are, those are two big ones. Other big ones are, uh, uh I have a lot of research to do one because I, I really want to keep growing photographically and creatively. Mm-hmm. And part of that is being open to new ways to do that. Mm-hmm. So the project that I did going around the country was very documentary and street focused, but I really am not like a still a portrait person. I, I do not do a lot of uh, like direct environmental pictures with people. Um, there's just some other areas to explore with that. And there's also some just conceptual subjects that I want to photograph. Mm-hmm. Uh, some stuff that's more almost like narrative photo essays, like creative, like almost building a storyline for them mm-hmm. and then photographing based off of that. Uh, past that, I I do want to uh, make a move. <laughs> and even though I shoot a lot of film, 
I do want to get to a point. Yes, I know this is what you're waiting for. Yeah, there, <laughs> there's that smile. I, I do want to get to the point where I move uh, my most commonly used film gear to be able to be hybrid. So being able to use the same lenses on the same bodies, sure. be able to use the same gear kind of interchangeably, uh, but also past that, I'm really not sure what's going to happen with film this upcoming year. And uh, I, it will still be around. It's not going to go away. Yeah. I'm just not, I'm just not sure how much of it I will be shooting because uh, I, I will use it consistently, but not to the degree that I did when I did my road trip. Because that was like, uh, that was like 200 rolls of film in four months. And that wasn't, yeah, that wasn't. Dude, I shot 130 something. Yeah. 128 in 30 days. Yeah. Yeah. It was a lot. Um, Very economic of me. (laughs) Very, very economic. Some people are going to be pulling out their phone calculators and be like, let me look up this shit. And they're just going to start counting. You're like, what the Yeah. I wonder why I'm broke. Um, (laughs) you know, it's funny dude, because so like I, I've been, I, you know, I have this sickness, um, which a lot of photographers have, it's called gear acquisition syndrome. Mm. And I'm trying to figure out where photography is going to live in my life next year. And that's not to say that it's not going to do it, but I mean like the, physical gear of it not like the job of it the job is gonna be the job but i i'm i'm at a point where i'm becoming a little bit more of a hybrid worker being video and photo and i very surprisingly am interested in exploring narrative outside of just images um and i don't know if it's heavily influenced by the instagram and tiktoks of the world that have like pushed that as what we're going to do, but you know, I've, I've been posting. So I just started posting. I'm not even exaggerating in like the last week on YouTube shorts and the amount of growth that I've seen there in fucking seven to 10 days is ridiculous. I've Mm. got like 30 subscribers on my YouTube channel in seven days. And all Mm. I've done is post very infrequently on a platform uh, which is heavily video focused, but it's, it's got me thinking in terms of like how I want to tell story and how I want to create narrative around what I do. And that goes ultimately to gear. Um, and we were talking about this, like, you know, one of my pride and joys in this world is my Hasselblad and I just don't shoot it literally ever. Like literally never. I get to shoot street photography, personal work, documentary stuff, maybe once a month. And it's mostly because I think partly I haven't been inspired to go create. Um, and partly because like I miss my Leica, which I sold. Um, 35 millimeters, obviously a lot cheaper than 120. Mm-hmm. I will say I strapped a GoPro to my chest last week, two weeks ago. And I walked around the city for a couple hours and I did street photography and those POV videos that I have merged together with the photos have been some of the, the most fun content I've had creating. Um, I I can imagine. Yeah. A lot of people enjoy that. Yeah. It's, it's, I've always found it so, uh, fucking redundant. Like so many people do it. And, I just never did it for that 
exact reason. Like I bought a GoPro two years ago. I think I've used it like seven times. Um, but when I did it and then I put the results to the f like fucking actual video of me walking around, I was like, oh shit, I really like this. And then now I know why other people really like this. And it bothered me a little bit how much I enjoyed it. Um, but now my thought process is, well, maybe I should be making those kind of videos for people. Maybe I should be looking to get hired by people to shoot them shooting film, to shoot them and their process, right? And it's got me thinking a lot about what kinds of stories I want to tell next year and what type of content I want to create and what type of gear fits into that process. And it's like, you know, I love my Hasselblad, but I can go buy 10 of them on eBay tomorrow, right? It doesn't have to be the one that I have now. And I'm not in a position financially where I'm going to be buying new gear and just throwing it on a credit card because well, I'll worry about it later <laughs> kind of thing. Like I'm old enough and yeah. smart enough to not do that, um, which is good. But it, I do spend a lot of time going back and forth about what my process will look like for non-commercial work. I'm talking specifically personal work. Mm -hmm. So we'll see. That's fair. I think, uh, oh, dude. Uh, I mean, I get, I get why you want to buy a digital camera. I do. I do not get why you want to buy a digital Leica, but I, I do get why you want to buy a digital camera. It makes sense. And I, and like, I didn't own a Leica M240 for about a week before I got rid of it. I shot it about four times before I sold it back to the Leica dealership, Leica dealership. <laughs> <laughs> like a store um and to me I, I i i understand why you want it to be part of your workflow i do well i appreciate you acknowledging that you understand that john that is for you i understand why for you you're such an empath really <laughs> <laughs> no dude i mean like listen i i understand why you want it to be part of your workflow i get it uh okay i i did not grow up rich yeah and I, I am not. Uh, I God, this is probably going to piss off some people, but I am not a clout photographer. <laughs> I, I did not buy my Leica on eBay, and I did not. Where'd you buy it? For the price, none. <laughs> no, that that's for another time. Um, <laughs> Off pod discussion. I, yeah, no, I I did not pay the asinine three and four thousand dollars a body prices that they fair that they were looking for. Um, yeah. And, uh, I really enjoy a rangefinder. What's funny about that is, uh, so I am left-handed. Okay. Not many people know that it's not like a hidden fact. Well, okay. 5 million people now know it. Yeah. This isn't the 1200s anymore. I'm not going to get burned at the stake, I'm <laughs> a witch. but yeah, so I'm left-handed and that sounds like unrelated unless you're left-handed and you also by default tend to be left eye dominant okay oh you're left eye yeah. dominant oh left eye dominant huh. but a rangefinder isn't designed really for shooting with your left eye no dslr or a mirrorless i could use whatever eye i wanted yeah but with a rangefinder right i'll just go ahead and do the classic shot right i'm able to see mm -hmm. so much outside of the frame because of that. Yeah. And it helps me anticipate yeah. so much more than I expected. 
And it's weird because you would think, wow, like, you know, that's strange because you're basically your stronger vision isn't really coming out of the eye that's focusing on the photo. Yeah. But I can't explain it. It's just, it, do you, it gives me, do you miss yeah. focus a lot? No. Interesting. No, I don't. That's because, interesting. Um, it's almost like, not like my depth perception, but like my ability to kind of like move with stuff. It, it just clicks. Huh. Now, if I'm doing like uh, something that's like slower, like if it's a landscape, there will be times where after shooting for a while, and you probably know, because even with the EV finder, if you're just like staring in the little blue screen for a while, you get that fuzzy, like, the you bl know, blue glow kind of. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh, I'm going blind now. Yeah, that, <laughs> that part, yeah. So that does happen. Like my eye does get tired after a while, but um, no, uh, it's it's so beneficial for street photography. Yeah, and no, dude, I'm with you. I think uh, that's one thing I love tremendously about rangefinders. Like environmental stuff. Yeah. Yeah, being able to see what's going on outside of your frame of influence, which is like the the EV or the uh, whatever you're looking through, right? Right. With a rangefinder, it's typically you know with a like it's film, so it's not an electronic viewfinder, right? It's an optical viewfinder. Um, but what I found was very similarly being able to be anticipatory about what's coming into my scene mm -hmm. made me a much better photographer. Um, it's that so. Uh, I was going to say that's why I actually didn't use the Fuji X-Pro, even oh. though it would have been so much more economical to use. It's got a hybrid, though. It is it is kind of hybrid, but I tried to use one, and it just didn't feel right, mm. like, look at it. And, uh, like, when I had a mirrorless, right, uh, and I sold my I sold my X-T4, so I still use that, like, with my left eye. But, um, yeah, whenever I try to actually, like, focus and keep this out, if it was anything but just like a like the Leica optical finder, it just it would work, but it would also just slow me down like that tiny little bit. That's interesting. And you know, I just, I just I, didn't like. That. It's funny because like I, I've made a lot of bad pictures in my life that I love a lot more than some of like the cleanest photos I've ever taken. Like uh, someone wrote a comment on one of my YouTube videos that I posted of like wow, a lot of these are out of focus or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, I don't care. Like, you know, to me, I don't give a fuck whether my photo is in perfect, like 100% clarity or not. Like the, the story, the what's going into the image is much more important to me than like the end look and feel. Um, but yeah, it's every time I shoot street with my Hasselblad, I do slightly miss my Leica. Only every other time, not every time, but most yep. of the time. <laughs> Uh, I do miss focus. I won't sit here and act like I'm a unicorn. Of happen, it happens so quick. Yeah, it does. Yeah. It does. Uh, Even if you but, have everything nailed, like exposure wise, I nail exposure every time. I've never missed exposure. So I'll give myself that. It's focus that I miss. And especially with the Hasselblad, the fucking focus throw is so slow that mm -hmm. To nail focus is a miracle, especially if it's someone walking in or and out of a frame. Like just the process of like being able to spin that wheel, you know, with precision and mm. match it up with that. You know, it's hard. It's hard. I mean, the focus throw on a like is obviously considerably shorter than the fucking Hasselblad for sure. Totally. 
but uh usually i'll have trouble uh because i really use 28 and i use 50 a lot those are the two that i use i love I like, 50 i love 50 i know some people say that it's like how can you use that telephoto of a prime lens it's like whatever dude okay so <laughs> so stupid it works for saw lighter yeah uh, right. you know among other people so you know not to name drop but it <laughs> It is functional. It works been, for plenty of photographers. It does work for some people. Yeah. Um, Dude, I'm with you. My uh, my feeling on focal length is I, I, I like to just pigeon toe myself to a specific focal length and shoot it for the whole time. Um, not commercial work. Again, this is just personal stuff. So like I'll yeah. go out and shoot with the 80 with the Hasselblad or a 28. I actually have a 21 on my Minolta, which is just a very disorienting focal length, but kind of kind of cool. It's just so fucking wide. Like you wouldn't think that 7 millimeters makes a huge difference, but it really does. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it's fun. Uh, what I have done that's helpful, and I'm going to say this for anybody that's newer to photography and newer to street photography, is uh, you don't have to go out and actually burn film to get things in focus. You can practice focusing in your house, and it is a lot more economical and affordable. That's true. I know that sounds so dumb to say, but... Uh, I spent a lot of time taking self-portraits on film before I went out and started burning rolls on the street, for sure. Yeah. And so, photos of my dog, and photos of my yep. nieces and nephews, and, yep. and exactly. a piano in a room, and like, yeah plenty of shit that didn't move <laughs> definitely um yeah because when i first got my m6 i um uh the first like four or five rolls came back black oh. they, they were oh dude they were totally shot yeah i never got to see my first photos with oh it. man did you have the lens uh, cap on i did not okay fair okay it, I, I remember because i was very much like no i was very intentional but i also at that point, still thought the thing was fragile. So I was like, like very carefully removing the lens cap and like <laughs> using the lens cloth. Like after every photo, like, oh, it's film. So I can't have these specs on it. Uh, like dude, last, summer I, last summer, I dropped the thing on the fucking ferry to Alaska. Oof. And yeah, that, oh my God. Your you want to talk up. about like, like somebody getting a call at work saying your kid's in the hospital and they're alive, but you should probably be here. Like that's, that's kind of the feeling. Dude, I, I dropped my R5, my, I'm what I'm filming on right now, which is my professional camera that I shoot with. Uh, and, are you huh? Are you okay? Cause those things aren't metal. My fucking heart stopped. My heart yeah. stopped. All of the air left my body, all of it. <laughs> and I was like, fuck, fuck fuck and it turned off when it hit the ground oh geez and i was like oh it's cooked dude i literally signed up for fucking insurance like three weeks ago so within two weeks of signing up for insurance i would be like going for a fucking new camera <laughs> and i was like they're gonna think this is a scam or whatever yeah. i turned it on perfectly fine i've like literally never had more of like a moment in my entire life than when that happened it was it was fucking hysterical so funny yeah um, when i dropped mine i was on the ferry going up to alaska and it was on the islands around seattle so like it sounds cool to say i was going to the ferry to alaska it, it wasn't that big it was just it was just a boat ride but um yeah so i was loading film in my lap in my jeep and i the door was open 
and just by instinct, I always had like my camera around my neck. Yeah. It was the one time I didn't do it, dog. Oh man. And it dropped. Um it dropped so like it fell, and when it fell, it hit this, the actual rewind mechanism. Yeah. And so I thought, oh my God, I broke my camera. Mm-hmm. And I picked it up and everything looked fine. And I was like, oh yes, like thank God, like it's okay. And I started winding. And uh, I don't even know how to describe it other than it felt like trying to rip carpet moving the film. And I just started getting teary eyed and I was like, I am screwed. Like, cause I still hadn't gone down the West coast. I still hadn't made it to San Francisco yet. Still hadn't gone through Nevada, any of those other places. I called my buddy Ryan who uh, he's the owner at pro camera and he's my, he runs my film lab. And I was like, dude like i am i am scared shitless right now i'm in the middle of seattle there's like no way that i can get help on this it's a german-made camera from the 80s dog like there's no way there's just a random part for this somewhere and um he was like okay well like uh let me just see and so i sent him some videos and he kind of diagnosed it and told me what he thought the problem was and then he's like what you need to do is you need to you probably need to go to blue moon down in or and portland i'm like fine like fuck it i'll leave it four in the morning three in the morning i'll go to bloom and so i drove down i was sitting outside and got in there as soon as they opened and they're like yeah we got we've got a backlog man everyone you know film camera repairs tight so it'd probably be a few weeks and i'm like you have an hour (laughs) i'm like no like i'm going to california like i i can't like i am living out of my car and I didn't like just actively say that because like I'm in Portland and stuff like that saying like, well, I live in my car. I didn't want to freak him out. But um, yeah, so I ended up talking to this guy who runs a page called Red Dot Repair. Yeah. Uh, I felt so bad because I was messaging this dude like incessantly like, hey, are, by chance, are you like near Portland? And he's like, why? <laughs> I was like, Bro, I was like, just hear me out. Like, I broke my M6. I've been on the road for months, and this is the only camera. I've got no backup body, and I was just, like, verbally dumped. And he was like, okay, okay, okay. Like, I, I can I can meet you over here. Like, would you be cool with that? And so we met in the parking lot of a Starbucks, bro, and he just, like, had the back hood of his car, and he, like, had pieces of my M6 just pulled apart looking for the issue. And it was like watching surgery on the roadside. Yeah. I, I was so nervous that something was going to happen and he fixed it and damn it if it like doesn't even work better it's like <laughs> need a little tlc dude little I, back uh, jeep cla <laughs> yeah exactly that's exactly what it was but yeah man like if you're not a photographer and you're listening to this you Sorry. drop it man i don't even know what to compare it to if you <laughs> dropping a camera that's that's freaky. Yeah. Especially like when it's your livelihood creator and, and such, yeah. but yeah. It's not d- like my like well-being or my identity or like yeah. my life's joy or anything. Dude, it's from making photos. So it's funny. So I, I bought my M6 and I got a really good price on it. Cause I bought it from a Leica dealer. Yeah. Um, and then I bought a Leica M6 with the Sumicron 35 and I use that camera oh. exclusively for, probably all of 2020 into 2021 and when i sold it um i got so much more than i paid for it it was like fucking hysterically stupid and it's and 
it's partly they're so expensive now. It's partly one of the reasons why I didn't mind selling it because I literally doubled my money that I paid for it. And I was like, well, it's hard to be sad leaving it and letting it go because like I just didn't use it. You know what I mean? I, I use it a lot and then I didn't. Um, and moving on from it, it, like the only time I miss it is like when I talk with you and other people who still shoot with it. And I think, man, I miss that fucking camera. But I'm very, very happy that I got to enjoy it while I did. And I still, to this day, I don't know what my gear is going to look like next year. But the long and short of it is that I'm going to still be taking pictures and I'm still going to be making photos and I'm still going to be fucking taking videos and I'm still going to be doing the thing that I love. Um, whether I have to go get a nine to five job, whether I've got a fucking, you know, sell half of my shit. Uh, when you find the thing that you love most in this world, you need to hold on to it with both arms and, and just keep doing it and, and know that like the success is coming, that all of the things that you need in this world are coming. And I'm, I'm proof to that. And I, and I believe that. Um, and man, I'm, I'm super thankful, uh, for you coming on the podcast again. I know we could probably go for two more fucking hours, uh, and just keep talking about life and art and, and, and photography. Um, I'm super appreciative for, uh, for you as a human being and as a friend. And, um, I'm so excited for what, uh, for what next year holds from you. And, uh, yeah, just love you, man. Thanks. Yeah. Appreciate it, dude. Um, yeah, if anybody's listening to this and they're new to photography and uh, maybe you're not new to photography, maybe you like heard some of this and, uh, you know, here's the altar call. Don't worry. It's not, it, don't worry. I'm not a TV preacher, but like, hear me out. Um, yeah. If you're dealing with any type of doubt about if you're supposed to be doing what you're doing, or if you feel that the work you're making doesn't feel real or doesn't feel like yours, uh, I just say, just from my own experience, you start with trying to show yourself. And that means just show the world around you, show the town around you, show the people around you. It, it doesn't have to be photos of Mount Tam, even though it's a beautiful place. It doesn't have to be, um, you know, anything specific, right? For you to, to be a photographer, like all it takes is you just actively being alive, actively being present, just being a little more aware of what's around you than people that are looking at their phones or not photographers and are missing things. So, yeah. I love it, man. I love it. Great. Greatly said. Couldn't agree with you more. And uh, have a great rest of your night, buddy. We'll catch up soon. You too. Peace. Peace.